0: Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. The Baba Yaga Project is a podcast and blog that focuses on the ritualized year, folklore, and history, lovingly researched and recorded by your hosts,
1: Margo and Sonia. Hi, my name is Margot, and I have a master's degree in American history with a focus on indigenous studies. And
0: I'm Sonia and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. Hello. Welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. Woo. This week we are going to be talking about LE birth control. Contraception. Yeah. Controlling the births. The no babies pills and other methods.
1: Yeah. The all of the things that prevent the babies. That's true. And or Discontinue the babies. Well,
0: next week we're really going to focus in on discontinuing the babies. So stay tuned <laughs> yeah, for yeah, the yeah. control alternate delete the baby episode next week. Um, control delete the baby. Exactly. <laughs> we, you know, delete us, feed us, if you will. <laughs> so this week we are focusing on specifically contraception. So preventing pregnancy and and maybe like a little a little smidgen of bringing down the menses which you know i mean people didn't conceptualize that right like as an abortion at the time because it was just seen as oh okay like for whatever reason my cycle has stopped we're not sure why it stopped so we're gonna try to bring it back and yeah
1: not not sure what's going on yet
0: And, uh, again, as we've talked about in previous episodes, right, like, there wasn't really this, like, I I mean, uh, this is obviously speaking in very broad terms, but, like, by and large, there wasn't a big, like, moral concern about a woman using something to bring down the menses if it's, like, I've been late by a month, and it's, like, oh, maybe you're malnourished. Maybe you've been working too hard. Like, you know, missing your period was very common, (laughs) Um, yeah. And, and I do just want to make that distinction, right? Because like there is a big distinction made, you know, both kind of morally and intellectually and like also physically between, you know, preventing a pregnancy versus terminating a pregnancy, right? Yeah. So This week, we talk all about preventing the pregnancy from happening in the first place, if at all possible, with maybe like a side sprinkle of, hey, my period's not here. Let's do something about it. Next week, we're going to tackle the next week is the big abortion episode where we tackle I am definitely for sure pregnant and I am purposefully ending this pregnancy. Yeah. I, I assume that's what your notes are on as well. That I'm hoping. Can you tell that we researched separately for this? <laughs>
1: no, yes, that's 100% what I have been working on as well. We're on the perfect, same page. Perfect.
0: <laughs> well, I guess as usual, I will take it away and start with the pre-modern world, and I also have stuff going right up till basically like now. I, I got I got real <laughs> okay. real into this,
1: um, <laughs> and. I, my stuff is mostly 19th century. Perfect. So I will take it away. So, Yeah, go for it. All
0: right. So the earliest evidence that we have of people trying to purposefully prevent conception is from the Egyptian Ebers papyrus from 1550 B.C. and the Cahoon papyrus, which is from 1850 B.C. And both of them, both of these are um, basically like Egyptian compilations of different medical writings and that sort of thing. And in both of cases, they tell they they basically prescribe uh, for. <laughs> women to use things like honey and acacia leaves and like lint from fabric and basically make like kind of a, a sticky paste um, and then insert right. that into the vagina so that it would then block the cervix. Uh, so right. then sperm could not reach the cervix or, or at least couldn't reach it as easily. Obviously, uh, this method was far from foolproof. But, you know, it's the earliest evidence we have of people actively, you know, trying to prevent conception and going about it in this, like, medical way, right? Like, yeah. There was also silphium, which was a species of giant fennel native to North Africa and it spread throughout the Mediterranean region and it seems to have been used as birth control in ancient Greece and the Mediterranean world more broadly and also the ancient Near East. So, basically, it it became very rare. Like, it was already rare by the first century CE because people mm-hmm. used it so much as um, birth control <laughs> because they would um either like typically by ingesting it to my understanding but even by Mm -hmm. the first century it was rare and it was uh it was worth more than its weight in silver not gold but more than its weight in silver (laughs) and by late antiquity so like 400 ce the 400s uh it was Uh fully extinct like they had used it
1: up (laughs) completely
0: (laughs) horny ancients destroying plants look have you seen some of those some, some <laughs> of the descriptions of their orgies you need a lot of sylphium <laughs> if you're going to be having your your baccal debauchery in the woods okay if you're going to have a giant orgy you don't want anyone getting pregnant now again uh both because it's extinct, (laughs) so we have no way of knowing how effective this would be, like, we have no way of testing it, but, you know, again, it's something that seems to have maybe worked somewhat. Uh, Then there were other ones that, you know, there, there are other writings by Hippocrates and Aristotle, which talk about Different uh, methods, but these are much more, like, not helpful, basically. So Aristotle recommends cedar oil, uh, that you apply it to the womb before intercourse, which, you know, it may be, maybe it helped block some sperm, but, like, probably not. Um, but then yeah. you also have Hippocratic texts, which... Do talk about um, that a woman can drink copper salt dissolved in water, and it would allegedly prevent pregnancy for a year. Which I mean, I guess it would prevent pregnancy for a year in that you would die, and then you know you could <laughs> no longer become pregnant that year. So, a real ten out of ten would recommend. A hundred percent effective. Yep, a hundred percent effective. Better than abstinence. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. Death, the perfect birth control. <laughs> um,
0: But it does also seem like as we enter then the Middle Ages, like late antiquity and into the Middle Ages, um, there does appear to still be, you know, again, these uses of barrier methods so you know putting some type of um like like some kind of what am i thinking of the word
1: no you don't like know. like
0: putting putting basically a barrier within the vagina um so yeah you know, using some type of, as we talked about earlier with the Egyptian recipe, where, you know, you're mixing lint mm-hmm. with maybe honey and maybe some other plants. Like, apparently, um lily root and rue were very common. Uh, they were believed mm-hmm. to prevent conception. So, you know, there would be those kinds of physical barrier methods, which may or may not have been very helpful. There was, of course, also, um, coitus interruptus, which is just like the, yeah, pull out out method, um, (laughs) which probably, you know, uh, people, people want to, okay, I am not advocating for (laughs) withdrawal as a method. However, <laughs> if used correctly, it results. It, it has about a ninety-six percent effectiveness rating.
1: Well, there you go. Now
0: that that is based on perfect use, which means that the man always pulls out before he finishes. Um, but yeah. with typical, so note yes. there.
1: Be careful with them wops because yes. they make that pull-out game weak. Yes,
0: the all the all
1: the <laughs> wops. Uh, this would be the <laughs> typical use
0: where it is only seventy-eight percent effective at preventing pregnancy, because mm. about twenty-two percent. And if you're Cardi B or oh, Megan it's zero percent chance, zero percent helpful. But my my point is, like, it's not it, it it's not super effective, like as compared to birth control pills, right? Which like have mm. at this point, like you know, over 99% effectiveness if used mm-hmm. correctly every single day or an IUD, which, again, has over 99% effectiveness. But, you know, there, there clearly were, you know, ways that you could get around having a baby that statistically yeah. would work. Um, you also did have, again, like I said, barrier methods, for the woman, and there were also barrier methods for, um, for men. Uh, the earliest, the oldest condoms that have been discovered to date were recovered from the ruins of Dudley Castle in England and are dated to 1640. So they were made out of huh. animal gut and were most likely used yeah. to prevent the spread of STDs during the English Civil War. <laughs> um, so Sexy. So again, I mean people weren't talking about this super openly because you know, as of it was you know, the 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 church, the Catholic church is not like super down with birth control <laughs> even at this point. Um you know, the 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 whole stance about like the withdrawal method is a sin and like try like it's basically seen as like there's the concept of natural law of like everything has a natural purpose so the purpose of sex is procreation so basically if you are trying to have sex but are if you're going to have sex but then remove or you know try to avoid pregnancy happening then that's immoral because you're basically trying to like i don't i don't know like it's it's hedonistic and like you're basically trying to yeah. like have your cake and eat it too kind of thing which i mean right. we're not the <laughs> the point is despite that being the official stance um Yeah, people were definitely finding ways around this. Like, again, withdrawal, early condoms, early barrier methods, and a lot of things that probably didn't work. Um, Like, a lot of more ritual-based things. So you had the Trotula, which we've talked about before, the Compendium of Women's Medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, So... On those who do not wish to conceive, quote, if a woman does not wish to conceive, let her carry against her nude flesh the womb of a goat which has never had offspring, or there is found a certain stone which it is held by the woman or even tasted prevents conception. In another testicle, in another fashion, take a male weasel and let its testicles be removed and let it be released alive. Let the woman carry these testicles with her in her bosom and let her tie them in goose skin or in another skin and she will not conceive.
1: Probably because she'll smell like rotting testicles and no one will want to have sex with her. Yes,
0: I mean, this is one of those things where you're (laughs) like... Okay, it's not working for the reason you think it's working, but like it it definitely (laughs) would work. Like I'm pretty sure if I showed up, like in the bedroom with the womb of a goat tied around my leg, and then had like weasel testicles tied in goose skin in my bra, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure my husband would be like, "Let's not. Let's let's (laughs) sleep in separate beds. Maybe even different rooms." Slow your roll, that'd be great. (laughs) but again we the the point i'm trying to make is people had a variety (laughs) of methods that they used to limit pregnancy because obviously people uh understood that on one hand as we talked about before yes children were a blessing and were something that you wanted and were like a part of you know, the cycle of your life was that you were going to have Mm
1: -hmm.
0: kids, right? And it was like normal and encouraged. But people also obviously recognized that giving birth (laughs) very close together was dangerous. Giving birth many, many, many times was dangerous. Um, So, you know, there is this kind of balancing act of both wanting children, but wanting to space them apart like to, to a degree. Um, And of course it was also like, this is a a big part of why these things also get stigmatized um, is because it was mostly, it it was often also associated with either um, like extramarital or premarital sex, um, which was a big no, no. And also with prostitution. So you know, you get this, like, on one hand, you have this kind of view of, well, you know, that's for people who are doing bad things. And that's then that also is not bad, that it's also like, cool, but like, I'm like, it, it's not like being married and only having sex with each other suddenly means that like, a pregnancy doesn't become non, like like it becomes <laughs> yeah. non-dangerous, right? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But as we get into the 19th century, we start to see some basically changes around this where, you know, we've talked about this in the past, this idea of having more bodily autonomy and self-determination mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, maybe we shouldn't just like take whatever children come to us and hope for the best and call it a day, like, maybe there are ways that we can, well, because, I mean, genuinely, that's how people saw it, right? Like, if you were a married couple and you were having sex, like, yeah, you could try to avoid more kids than you could take care of, but, like, at the end of the day, like, kids were going to show up when they showed up, and that was that, right? Yeah. But, you know, kind of this combination of sort of early feminism about women having bodily rights, basically, um, (laughs) paired with, you know, some enlightenment thinking and also some newer, well, not newer religious movements, but, like, with some different views of sex and sexuality that were coming about in religious movements, we do start to see a move towards the idea that, yes, even, like, it's it's perfectly fine and respectable for a married woman to not want twelve kids. Yeah, and uh, I do. I I have I have a Quaker quote for you. It's from ah! Anne Warder, a prominent Philadelphia Quaker and eventual mother of ten, wrote in frustration about her quote much to be pitter pitied sister Polly Emlyn. She complained that Emlyn's husband, uh basically wouldn't stay off of her and wrote in her letter, quote, her children are presented yearly, which keep her in constant ill health. So there's, and, and she's writing about how her husband, like the, her sister's husband, like won't leave her alone basically. And there's, you know, this idea of, no, like women should have a say in, you know, when, and if they become mothers instead of just being like, well, I guess this is something I just have to put up with. Yeah. Um Okay, do you want to take it away for some of the 19th century? Yeah, sure.
1: Um so my research really goes more into those like political and philosophical ideas that sort of allowed for the politics around birth control to change, Um, which is really important to understand because the accessibility of birth control has always really depended on the morality uh, of a society around, like, sex and reproduction and how much sex is conceived of as being for reproduction, right? Right. Um, Because,
0: I mean, like, in the early, like, say, you know, like, late 18th, early 19th century, at least from what I've been reading, like, it seems like it was pretty widely available. Like, female pills were some of the most sold and most advertised, um, you know, uh, health cures. But, uh, again, they were always presented as, like, returning the menses and keeping the cycle regular um you know whereas it's not till the mid 1800s where it seems like it suddenly becomes moralized
1: yeah so there's like a few things that sort of are going on um with regards to like how people are conceiving of Sex and reproduction, and with that, sort of, it's like tied up with the status of women in society. Um, so one of the things that's happening is, um, in the late, this is gonna sound silly, the late early modern period, yeah, but right, yeah. like going toward the progressive right. era or yeah. Victorian period, um, you have changes in society, um, that determine. Like sort of economical changes that lead to it not being right. So, such an economical idea to have a child in these pre-industrialized societies. Um, it was almost always more economical to have a child than to not. Right, children added to like the workers of the home. They they added economic benefit to a home, and that changes pretty quickly in the 19th century, um, and it sort of affects some groups a lot earlier than others, specifically working professionals who lived on salaries. Um, so they were dealing with the high cost of education for their children to inherit their status, right? You have to invest a lot in your children for them to have the same level of economic life that you were leading, um, and that caused a pretty steep decline in um the birth rate um the other sort of big changes are early modern changes towards women and understandings of sexual pleasure um and i think this is what you're getting at with like conversations about the enlightenment um people started really talking about like freedom and equality and all of these things that come up around and and it it seeps into like these ideas of um sexual liberation as well but of course then you have a reaction to that in the victorian era um or in the north America's like the progressive era um and it's really intensified and secularized this very uh christian suspicion of sex and also applied it more stringently to women than to men um they were like shh the strict gender roles that were really popular in this like newly aggressive Christianity of the Victorian period also became secularized so it became like a sort of science um but while this is happening you have like so you have like right this early Victorian reaction to changes in like sexual ideas and shortly after that because of the way that they This early Victorian reaction to um, these changing sort of gender roles and ideas about sex. And then because they're reacting so strongly, you have like this. And because they're secularizing it, you have this sort of scientific push for feminism. Um, Also, the like Victorians are super weird. So they're like condemning sort of all sexual behavior. Um, but at the same time, because of the way that they're doing all of that, um, they're also creating this, like, (laughs) this like booming prostitution industry. So, like, there's this huge industry around prostitution and this idea that, like, even respectable Mm -hmm. men go and do this, right? They go and, like, see prostitutes. Um, and the idea wasn't so much to, like, Mm -hmm. not actually have sex, like it was for women, but for men it was more like to hide all things pertaining to sex. Yeah, um, and this also like included pregnancy, so right, you couldn't go outside or anything yes. if you were pregnant. Um, yeah,
0: I mean it. It's almost like it. It's sort of this return to the like antiquity where yeah. you know your wife is for producing legitimate heirs, but then you sleep with. Like, like, you have sex for pleasure with a prostitute yeah. or a courtesan or a slave or, like, some... Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's this weird, like, everything circles back around, yeah, but, like, in a new, weird way. Yeah,
1: it was very strange. Um, and, right, you have this Victorian, this very strict idea of what womanhood and femininity was. Um, it was also a really classist idea. So women were mm-hmm. small and dainty and fragile and very fair. Um, and like a majority of women in the world, like couldn't actually, like for various reasons, couldn't actually fit this uh, mold of femininity um, either because right, they weren't white or If they were white, because they worked in in any way, that would create, you know, like a muscles. Yeah, a woman who is a normal size. Yeah, like physically able. Like you can't be this like.
0: Yeah, like you can't be this like frail, delicate flower. If you are like even doing like domestic work, let alone if you're a
1: woman who's working like in the mines or in a factory, (laughs) like so. This idea of like what Victorian femininity was, was really kind of like, again, with all of the sort of weird Victorian stuff, both hypersexualized and completely desexualized. So, like, they were supposed to, like, you were supposed to be super feminine, hyper feminine in this like very classist way. And in a way where you wouldn't know anything about sex. Um, And this in general led to um, like a, a a high possibility that there's like a decline in general knowledge about reproduction and specifically these like older reproductive control methods. So all of the ways that people used to, practice controlling their reproduction um, were sort of lost because you weren't allowed to talk about it at all. Um, Yeah,
0: like, I mean, I I think we've talked about this before, where, like, prior to the Victorian era, right? Like, there's this idea that, like, yes, if you are a respectable woman, like, you are only supposed to have sex after marriage with your husband and nobody else. Yeah. But that didn't mean that you couldn't talk about it and, like, you know, make like lewd jokes and hear these like body ballads and like you know it was just everywhere it was a very sexualized society like it was everywhere it was in the pop culture it was in like popular songs and plays like all of shakespeare's dick jokes yeah like you know but then the victorians are the ones who go no 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 not only do you have to be physically pure quote unquote pure yeah you also have to be mentally pure you can't know what sex is until the wedding night and even then you should have a pretty shaky understanding of what's going on
1: yeah and to an extent like even um like (laughs) learned men i.e doctors should be kind Mm -hmm. of idiots about this um there's like a a a purposeful mystification of motherhood um and like how women's bodies work that has not had any lasting effect on women's health care. Yep. Uh, but was especially dangerous in the Victorian period, um, where it was just sort of like, we don't know what is happening to you or why all of these women are dying. And as I've talked about before, there's this also this like connection of um, how difficult it is to have children with like, how civilized and, like, evolved you are as a race, which is just bananas. (laughs) Um, And, like, this- these effects, like, really- this- the quote that I have from the book is that, like, this Victorian prudery had, like, very real consequences on women that were often irreversible, so, like, the physical damages of pregnancy and childbirth that- was handled inappropriately especially by male physicians um but also like the effects on their social status for having had sex or been known to have sex um Mm -hmm. economic prospects there's a big deal with this the women's movement that does arise at this time um of women not being able to choose their course in life so either Right, they're either condemned to forced motherhood or to uh, ill paying wage labor, mm-hmm. um, and essentially, what we get from that, right, is um, sorry, I just have to find where my note is. What we get from that is, um, especially in the U.S., is that radical. Social movements pick up like movements toward birth control and also women's rights as like part of their goals. Um, And this happens in like a few different ways. So, right, there's the like standard sort of like Marxist policy of like women are comrades and they should be able to make choices for like the good of all of society um but there's also like this very like weird way that was much more popular than general sort of marxism or anarchism um which was the uh, like technically they're socialists but they were called utopian socialists by marxists because they didn't they were, Marxists said that they didn't have coherent strategies for social change, and they were called perfectionists by um, some of the more religious, like if they were a more religious group, um, for trying to create a, a, quote, heaven on earth. Really what they were, uh, were called Neo-Malthusians. Uh, Malthus was an economist who was essentially just like, poor people deserve to die because survival of the fittest, essentially, you know, it's that weird like Victoria yeah. like running with natural laws idea. Um so they become Yeah like, it's this idea of like,
0: well the poor have too many kids yeah. and they can't support those kids so naturally some of those kids die and it's all their fault and it's like well, or maybe you could pay them a living wage. How about that? Yeah so how it's, about we do that? It's
1: maybe? really like to this idea of a a finite amount of resources that like the economy is a fixed thing that exists outside of humanity and cannot be controlled it's just like this natural order um and the invisible hand yeah and um malthus was really concerned about welfare programs and overpopulation so uh he was convinced that right poverty was caused by overpopulation essentially there are too many workers for the market to support which is a construct of capitalism that's not how that works yep um and that welfare programs would just encourage this overpopulation by allowing poor people to continue to reproduce and that what we should do is just sort of like allow them to starve and die uh so that, like, the natural laws will take care of that. And then, like, there's no way to never have poverty, essentially. Um, and when yes. these ideas... I, I
0: also just want to put a pin in this and say this is very different from the natural laws that we're talking about when I'm talking about it in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Same, no. same idea, but, like, like like same name. Very yeah, different no, we're ideas. We're talking about natural
1: laws in the terms of, like, social Darwinism. Like Darwinism. Yeah. Yeah. Natural law in the
0: Middle Ages is, like, what is the purpose of a person? What is the true no, nature yeah. of sexuality? Whereas this is, like, the laws of nature say that there can only be so many rabbits per hundred square feet, and then all the others will die. Yeah, You're like, yeah, but that's to, rabbits, not people. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> we're going to apply that to, like, the working poor. Um, And yep. so as that makes its way over to the U.S., right, this... um. 19th century North America they uh, sort of accept these base premises but um, change the approach so right Malthus was really into like universal male suffrage that everybody should be represented and that um you wanted to create these pathways for individuals who were worthy to like lift themselves up out of poverty. Right. If you had the skills and you were marketable, then like the market would help you and you would get out. Anyway, the, um, these Neo Malthusians in the U S accept the idea that overpopulation causes poverty, um, and s- but they think that because of that we should um like go ahead and try and fight over population to get rid of the poverty right if we just have fewer people there won't be such a strain on the market and then it'll be fine um, and if you like don't think about it anymore then it's like yeah that's a that's like that makes sense you know there's a market uh supply and demand if we've reduced the demand there'll be more so su- that's not how it works <laughs> yeah no 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 um so they advocated Obviously. for they advocated for birth control um and essentially like so some people there, there were like some who were like uh birth control and or just like really strict policies of abstinence um yeah. Uh and hold on, just let me <laughs> Yeah, they had like um they they weren't really interested in like changing systems. So they wanted to like change no. this one thing and then that would create like this perfect society, right? Um they were really influenced by this early period of the 19th century where America, like the United States and Canada were really far behind Britain and parts of Western Europe in terms of industrializing. And a lot of Americans got, were really afraid of what they were seeing happening in Britain. And especially with these like wage laborers who were having such a hard time in these like newly developed urban areas. Um, and so there's this massive anti-industrialist movement um, that... Like, really wanted to maintain this agriculturally based communal societies or develop all new ones as a replacement for what is sort of like becoming this very proto industrialized society. Um, yes, and there's a, a th- like, a bunch of different movements that were trying to do this. So there's, like, these religious revivals, you know, the Second Great Awakening. There were socialist movements that were trying to set up um, agrarian communes. There were, like, weird vegetarian things and, like, health cults and, like, combinations of all of these. We talked about Kellogg in a previous episode. That was part of this whole thing, right? Um, and part of this was like, some of these people, right, the, like, actual socialists were arguing for birth control on the basis of women's rights to self-determination and, like, wanted to transform the whole society and redistribute wealth to end overpopulation and poverty, right? If people have more resources, they can make more choices. Um, Mm -hmm. But, okay. So into this, like, world of weird... Religious and possibly not religious, culty, agricultural commune spaces, right? We have these, like, neo Malthusians coming in with these ideas about birth control and overpopulation. And this is where this idea of, like, the perfectionists come in, right? Um, so there's sort of like, they, they were, um, really utopian they rejected they they took this idea right this base idea from this european concept but they didn't it, they were coming to a from a, a place where you didn't have the really rigid class and like sort of caste like dynamics of europe right you don't have this old world nobility um so they didn't mm-hmm. accept the idea that malthus originally had which was that poverty was inevitable and suffering was inevitable and it was just going to be this never ending cycle of people being born into poverty and just being sort of used by the system and spit out and that like there was nothing we could do about it um they were like we yeah. can fix this um yeah. and they really had ideas that like if we changed one thing um we could change all of society, you know these like panaceas, um, and they sort of went in two different directions. So the first one, right, is
0: uh, it always comes back to eugenics eventually. All of these episodes, <laughs> oh. we have, we it, we at some point have yeah, to hit so eugenics. Uh,
1: one. So one root of this was this very sort of, like, social control of reproduction, eugenics, we will breed the perfect society, or whatever. Um, And the other was, like, these weird sex communes, um, where they wanted to, like, control the sexual habits of all the people who are part of the society in order to, like, make super happy people and then these super happy people would make the perfect society and one of the like main ways that they would do this was through a thing called a thing called male continents which like if you if you (laughs) if you're on like the right wing uh internet at all or in left-wing spaces where they're making fun of these right-wing crazy people um the uh the no masturbation guys yes you know who think that they get like their spiritual power from their semen is essentially that so in the 19th century it was this focus on animal magnetism and that like basically your body was like this cyclical force and you were producing this semen and then your body would like break it back that's down also why women like, are dangerous this, like power we, from it or whatever take away the
0: power um <laughs> It's very succubus incubus. Yeah, you steal you like steal the
1: semen. Light. Um, and so this I. <laughs> this idea. I mean, sort of, but like so this yeah. this idea was right. Men could should not ejaculate yes. unless they had already decided they were going to have a child. Um but this was not a monogamous society, uh and it was not an anti sex society, right? They they really in this like weird perfectionist commune place, they they thought mm-hmm. that having right yes. penetrative sex Yes. A heterosexual penetrative sex was really really good um that by like i don't know moving all that stuff around and moving all this stuff around if for women as well right it like created this magnetism and like your body would use its gotcha. resources properly gotcha, or whatever, it but sense, you couldn't sense. ejaculate <laughs> um Unless you were definitely, like, you had already planned to have a child. That, like, sex was partially for reproduction, but there was, like, yes. this whole other use for it that would, like, make perfect, happy, healthy people. Um, and, like, they weren't really concerned with women's pleasure, but in all of their advertisements, they have all of these women talking about how great this new life was. Um, and this was literally just because if the men could weren't allowed to ejaculate then they could have sex for a lot longer so suddenly there were just all these victorian women who had like never had sex I, I feel for like 15 than, like, minutes 15 you're giving them a lot being, like, of credit oh, here. Damn. um they also like <laughs> when they're um <laughs> when they're uh talking about right the kind of d- sex and like what stimulation of like the vaginal area that Frequency needed to happen whatever, for women yeah. to reach this like magnetic whatever um it had nothing to do with a clit i don't think they knew what a clitoris was it was all about like this the friction of p on v kind of thing um it was really sad for everyone involved but anyway incredible women i guess finally got to have an orgasm also Ah, they were allowed to have sex with people who weren't their husbands because there was no ejaculation (laughs) involved um so that was one of that was one of the movements. I um, mean this is all in the like early to mid 19th century. Um but we see by the like late 19th century, the 1870s, we have like more of an actual women's rights movement that hits the United States for the first time. Um and this mm-hmm. is where we get the conversation around voluntary motherhood. Um that happens with like sort of three main political groups. So we have the suffragists who are arguing for uh, women's political equality um moral reformers who are like the the temperance movement and stuff like that um and then the free love movement who are sort of vaguely sort of the most closely related to the perfectionist but there were a lot of anarchists and people in this group as well uh they were generally united on the idea that they didn't like the concept of legal marriage um, because it stifled love and all of these sort of like government bureaucracies destroyed people's like natural way of existing and created unnecessary hierarchies for people, um, right? And so they, they weren't really looking for widespread governmental change. They wanted to like just undo all of it, whereas suffragists and moral reformers wanted – widespread support so that they could get like representative change and change within the government, as opposed to just like getting rid of the government altogether. Um, but they were all really concerned with this lack of freedom for women, um, especially in the labor of motherhood as well as wage labor. So that's sort of like where you have these radical socialists and anarchists uniting with these like more liberal women who are looking for voting rights, um, it was around this idea that women are sort of stuck in either essentially perpetual unpaid labor in being a wife and mother, or their other choice is wage labor, which if they become pregnant while trying yeah, to do that bad for you. work, like, you know, yeah. they're just shit out of luck. Um yeah, and, like, one of the things is that, like, so over the course of this late, these, like, 30 years, the ideas around birth control um, and, like, products that were sold as birth control, right, either abortifacients or uh, barriers, um, they, like, didn't initially like this idea of making this information or the actual products widely available because they thought that it would give men essentially like free license to have coerced or you know like non-consenting sex with women with impunity right if they weren't going to be threatened with possible pregnancy then they would essentially rape women because men are awful um they wanted women to be able to express their like natural quote-unquote natural sex lives um and that is what this that conversation of like women it started out with talking about like well if women's sort of inherent motivation is this maternal instinct then that would be pushing them to have sex And, like, the idea then that women have this inherent sex drive again, right, right, this reintroduction of the idea that women have a sex drive, um, leads to this, like, more sort of conversation of women wanting to have sex outside of wanting to get pregnant. And that is really what, like, pushes the women's movement toward talking about having access to birth control, um, And so you have, like, this 30-year progression toward women want the vote, they want birth control, they want wages, you know, all of this stuff. Um, And then, like, in the 19th century, it gets, like, real racist, and there's just, like, really racist backlash to it um, that comes out of the eugenics part that we talked about before, right? So everybody's really concerned about how people are, like, breeding, Um, and this whole concept of... Oh my god, it's so bad. This concept of race suicide comes up, especially in North America, where like if all of the wealthy white people get access to birth control and aren't having babies or having these small families, but all of the poor brown people and, and all immigrants the babies are still you know like they're not good yeah, because they're not good prudish Victorians who aren't having sex um if they're having like a bunch of children then right there's not going to be enough white people anymore and like this is a conversation that comes up all the time you know like all of those bizarre articles about like the white people are gonna be the minority in america soon because we keep letting in immigrants whatever that like nonsense um yeah, so there's a panic and a backlash against any sort of, like, birth control access or abortion access, because they're like, you're going to kill off all of the white people. Um, and, like, that, that is about, like, 20 years of weirdness in the U.S., especially around, like, the turn of the century, the Edwardian period, um, until we get – are you ready for it? Freud! <laughs> no we don't no one claps for freud
0: no no i i it, it was an ironic <laughs> move, but <laughs> we can't talk about like sex and sexuality in the late you know the in in this time period without talking uh, about freud without circling back to
1: that motherfucker yeah so freud is uh the worst but, but also oh, okay. um the introduction of these ideas into like the American zeitgeist really changed the way that people talk about and conceive of having sex. Um, and like, to be clear, Americans didn't really get Freud. Again, this is like the, the um, American optimism and lack of sort of like awareness of European class dynamics, uh, affect the way that they understand this um and essentially what happens is that like americans really just started talking about right the idea of suppressed sexuality coming out in other ways meaning that they they interpreted it as if we repress sexuality that will be dangerous which like whatever yes um sure Yeah, so you have much more of a conversation about, like, people need to be having sex and, like, we shouldn't be, like, restricting everything and we should be having more conversations about how and why people have sex. Um, Reasonable. Fine. And, like, that moves us... It
0: it seems like it's going to be fine. And
1: that sort of, like, is the wave you ride through the 20th century toward the 1960s um, and the quote-unquote reproductive rights movement right which is sort of where we've sort of snowballed into now which is um that birth control and family planning isn't just for family determination but for individual women or as we talk about it now like for individual people who can get pregnant right obviously in the 70s Mm -hmm. it was like women um well, yeah.
0: I mean, again, when we're saying man or yeah. woman historically, that is because that is how people. Yeah.
1: But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's all societies that we're talking about would have understood it. that happens over time. So, the yes, 70s, exactly. the women's movement. And yeah. then we have more of like this turn toward talking about it as reproductive rights and reproductive justice. Um, and I just sort of want to go yes. back and talk about things sort of like more generally, um, because. Right. Once we get up to, like, this current speed, we can look back sort of at the politics of the history of birth control and see how it's sort of influenced by a few different things. So we have the economic and social changes that, like, have made... Childcare more expensive, um, lowered mortality rates, and changed like gender systems, and also legal transformation Mm -hmm. from social movements like feminism. Right, all of these things have sort of changed the way that we think about whether or not people should have access to birth control and whether or not they should be able to control their pregnancies. Um, Because one of the things that's like really different from the way that we think of things now, right, is we have this effect from our idea of a the possibility of a birth control that'll be like a magic, quote-unquote, magic bullet, right? It won't have side effects. You won't yeah. need to be, like, super responsible when having sex, right? You don't have to have that super unsexy time of, like, pausing for condoms or diaphragms or whatever. Um, and we'll also ha- give you, like, 100% protection against pregnancy, um and that idea really sort of seeps into our understanding of all of pregnancy right um we have this idea that that's how birth control should work and so in our contemporary minds unplanned means unwanted and that's a really really new idea yes. right when we talk about like voluntary motherhood and these ideas around controlling fertility it was often not like there's a reason that it was called birth control and not like pregnancy prevention. In a lot of cases, yeah. because when we we are in this episode creating a sort of a historical divide between like pregnancy pr- prevention and efficiency yeah. and abortions, um, that wouldn't yeah. have been how people thought about it. In the past, and you wouldn't have thought about really planning pregnancies in the same way, right? You know, things happen, and that's what's going on. And, like, we can look at sort of the way that we conceive of pregnancy and of women's access to birth control in these, like, sort of four movements throughout at least us history which is like the introduction of this idea of voluntary motherhood that women shouldn't be forced yeah. to be parents and mothers and should have some sort of control over their reproduction which is coming out of this period where the victorian's and the in the us the progressives uh or like this progressive era the people were saying you you shouldn't be trying to control pregnancy by any means, especially through uh, any sort of abortion type methods. Um, So, right. You have all of human history and especially the early modern period, as people start to understand more and more about how people's bodies work, you have people practicing reproduction and population control through Rhythm methods, withdrawal, uh, barriers, yeah. uh, various ways of like cri- abortive agents that, like you know, you take orally or whatever that would cause you to lose a pregnancy for, or like you know, to 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 bring on the menses, as you yeah. said earlier, um, but also like straight up like surgical abortions as well um like yeah. that as well as also uh infanticide we've talked about before yes we have yeah, talked extensively was about infanticide was explicitly used to control population to, to deal with unwanted pregnancies unwanted um but you get to the 19th century and there's all of these like new religious revivals and stuff and this idea that you you should not be controlling that at all that controlling your reproduction is a sin or is immoral or whatever for whatever reason and so we get to the end of the 19th century and we have this idea of voluntary motherhood um in the 1910s yep. the 1920s um that's when the I, the term birth control is uh really put forth into like the political zeitgeist as uh, as part of the radical socialist movement um which was about allowing people to work when they wanted to right it comes out of that voluntary motherhood if you want to keep working you should be allowed to keep working you should be allowed to have whatever life you want um as part of like this larger system of like the the workers rights we're going to redistribute everything and then people will have choices about how they want to support their families and stuff like that um and then yeah, From, like, the 1920s, 1930s to 1970s, that's the, right, liberal reform movement where it's, like, we should just have sort of general access to, uh, a, like, to birth control methods if you are able to afford them and in a place where, like, we've deemed you should be having sex, right? So that's a, a lot of, like, married yes. people can access condoms and... Uh, married women can get a diaphragm and things like that um that's also when like planned parenthood comes along um and then you have right the 1960s and the second wave feminism moving on into the present where it's the the quote-unquote uh reproductive rights and then the new christian right uh focusing on anti-abortion and right to life um yeah yeah
0: I mean, I will say a big part of the reason that I wanted to, like, I was so adamant about splitting these mm-hmm. episodes into two separate things is A, just because there is absolutely no way <laughs> we could have covered abortion yeah, I have 100% and birth control over over in the most same episodes, and it's
1: still, we're at an hour, or so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, I. I also wanted to make it explicitly clear, like, the differences in what we're talking about between, you know, preventing a pregnancy versus terminating a pregnancy. Just because there is so much, like, even today you get this opposition to birth control that, like, well, technically it's an abortion because, like, it prevents implantation and that could have a soul or like whatever like people just carry on and treat it as if it's like yeah you know i i wanted to be very explicit that we at the baba yaga project do not like a we are (laughs) pro-choice and b we do not believe that contraception and abortion are equivalent things and are like you know because obviously, abortion is much more like physically yeah. draining for the person yeah. getting it and is like more, we live in a, a you know, presents of more of whatever. Yeah.
1: science where we, yes, we understand live in a lot of a medical, medical more science. About and I wanted to,
0: <laughs> yes, I wanted to be very clear on that that we are like separating these two things because of, like, not wanting
1: to conflate yeah. them. Yeah, obviously I'm not pitching uh, infanticide as a form of birth control. <laughs> though yes, it me, was We are of as a type, as, like, in the same realm in these, like, older historical eras where all forms of reproductive control yeah. were sort of lumped together conceptually with, like, and, like, the restrictions around it very depending on what it was and like what area you were in and like how many people were killing babies which i like i kid you not like because well and and also right you have the 17th century it becomes like this big deal to kill to kill babies because they're especially in the the new world in the colonial north america it was happening a lot because women couldn't support their children and uh people started freaking out and being like oh my gosh they're just gonna kill all of these babies um and so it becomes a sort of moral panic whereas like before if it was like you know an unwed girl is found with a dead baby it would have been like oh no something terrible has happened here as opposed to like we should hang her for murder right yeah
0: no like it's very much a different conception and i mean you look at like you know Antiquity in the classical oh. world. I mean, it was just a universal yeah. truth. Like you you were almost certainly going to leave at least like a solid percentage of your kids would be left in the <laughs> woods to die unless you were the ancient Egyptians. And then yes. everyone's going to write about how weird you are and are like, why do these Egyptians keep taking our babies off of the literal manure pile and raising them? <laughs> What's wrong with them? And they're like, our religion forbids, like, infanticide. And they're like, it's not, like, the the fucking Romans, they're like, it's not technically infanticide. I just left the baby sitting on a pile of shit to, you know, if the gods want
1: to save them, I guess they can save them. I technically didn't murder anyone. Yeah, I'm going with, like, I'm not a fan of any of the sides. Um... So I'm not saying that, like, now we exist in a world where we understand how, like, oral hormonal contraceptives work and how, like, barrier methods work and how, you know, we could make oral contraceptives for for men. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of ways that we can do that. And we understand, like, sort of when a pregnancy becomes viable and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, it's also that, like now we have a lot like since like the 400s 500s you know when the church started really cracking down on this and being like hey maybe don't throw your baby into the Tiber river we will ju- like we will take them like we'll we'll found orphanages and stuff like please don't murder your infant um you know, like I, I just, you know, we've we've come a long <laughs> way since the times when your options were, uh, if you don't want, like, if you are unable to, or for whatever reason can't raise the child yourself, then your only other option is to literally throw them into the river and call it a day. It's like, no, there's that, the, you know, we still have those laws on the books. If you leave a baby at a police station, like they gotta take care yeah. of that baby. Well,
1: that's what. So I just. Well, I, I mean, mean, like they. They don't have to take care of the baby, but like they have it's to like give with it the firehouse phone. dog. The firehouse baby. <laughs> no, I just didn't want. I just didn't want to put this on the internet, and then a bunch of people be yeah, like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, Margot is advocating that if you get pregnant and didn't want to, you should just have the baby and then kill it. That is birth control." And I'm like, yes, "No." I, <laughs> which is why I think yeah, that we I should think start talking I, about like the explicit yeah. difference between like contraception. Abortion and yeah. right, like infant. Whereas like yeah. the the like the, just straight up murder. The other two, do you honey. Like it is your body. Yes. yes anything exactly. inside your body you get to control. Uh once it is a living, breathing yes, being exactly. outside of your body, please don't kill it. <laughs>
0: Yes. Then, then and you or know, it has other options leave it of your body, <laughs> like you know all of yeah. those things. Like, yeah, I think I think that's the real uh, dividing line. Yeah. You know, if if the if
1: I just didn't want to get canceled for being like fan is birth control <laughs> <laughs> only in ancient Greece <laughs> or like you know this is an <laughs> ancient custom. Please don't kill people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. It only counts as birth control if you lived before the year, like, 500. Everyone since 500, you don't get a free pass. (laughs) Anyway, so thanks for coming to our infanticide episode. It's
1: not, though. That was my point. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to stop
0: recording this now. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, yeah. yeah. We'll see you all next week to talk about abortion. That'll be (laughs) cheerful. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: listening to the Bapiaga project and as always thank you to all our patrons for making this project possible please follow us on twitter instagram and her website for the most up-to-date happenings in the project also please consider supporting us on patreon it'll really help us continue the project and expand in some really exciting ways and there's patreon exclusive merch thanks again and we'll see you next week